Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316, mainly because we're located on Highway 316. There's also some really good 316 verses in Scripture. If you're local, check out the church. Our Sunday service is at 1030. Uh, The website is calvary316.com. Again, that's calvary316.com. Uh, Wherever you happen to be listening, I do hope you stay with me over the next hour as I seek to deconstruct the negative perception that the world has of Christians by having an honest, genuine, sometimes brash conversation about things that are relevant in our culture, whether it be uh, secular culture or, for that matter, as today will illustrate, church culture. Before we get to the subject matter of today's episode, uh, I do want to again reiterate that one of the main things about our show, and one of the difficulties, whether it be radio or podcasting, is it's difficult to connect with the listening audience. Um, if you're out there listening, um, we want to hear from you. Um, and there are many ways that you can do that. Uh, our email address is info at outlawradio.org. Again, info at outlawradio.org. Drop us a line. If you have a question, submit a topic, challenge something that was said. Uh, we just want to hear from you, how how you're enjoying the show, ways that it might have been a blessing. Uh, if you're on Facebook, one of the many billion people <laughs> on Facebook, the easiest way to find us is just go facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Again, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Uh, follow our page. We post episodes there, etc. Uh, if you're into Twitter, our handle is at radio underscore outlaw. Again, at radio underscore outlaw. Our church, our, our, not our church website, our radio website is outlawradio.org, outlawradio.org. You can access not just all of this contact information, but it's very easy to get the quick links for our podcast. Um, one of the, the aspects of what we're doing that's really taken off is just how many people are listening via podcast. Uh, you might be listening on the radio, but the likelihood is that you're not going to stay with me over the next 52 minutes to listen to the entirety of the episode. If you're driving, uh, this is just listening between stops, and we get that. Uh, that's why every episode of Outlaw Radio gets posted to our podcast in its entirety. So if you listen to the first part of today's episode and you know you, you got to get out, you got to go to work, you got to go inside, um, and you really wanted to catch the, the remainder of what we were talking about, what we were discussing... Uh, again, easy. Go to the podcast. Uh, we actually post the podcast before it airs. The episode airs on radio, and we do that just because if you're really into what's being communicated and you don't want to wait around to listen to jump back in, uh, you can go to outlawradio.org. Our podcast it's on iTunes, Google Play, uh, wherever you get your podcast, you can find it. Uh, you can search my name, uh, Zach Adams, Z A C H A D A M S, or Outlaw Radio. Uh, it's very easy to find, and then you can subscribe immediately to this episode. So if you're listening in the car and you're really engaged, you can pull out your phone, download the episode, and that way when you uh, exit your vehicle, uh, you can pick right back up where you left off. Uh, technology is, is a wonderful thing. Um, again, before we get to the subject matter, I, I've got to just take a quick second and give a shout out to my dear friend, Neil. Uh, Neil is uh, a brother of mine. He's an avid listener of Outlaw Radio. Uh, he blares it uh, in the mechanic shop uh, that he works at here locally. And brother, I just want to say thank you for listening. Thanks for being my friend. Uh, Neil had a big year, a big 2018. Uh, he got married, very exciting. 
And uh, brother, just want to let you know uh, that I love you and thank you for for supporting what we're doing here. Um, over the last 20 years, give or take, m- maybe even a little bit more than just 20 years, there has been an incredible shift that's taken place within Christianity as a whole. A, a really dramatic shift, uh, such a seismic shift that it's changed the landscape of the American church. This shift is is rarely talked about, um, rarely discussed. There hasn't been much written on it, and yet the evidence is, is obvious that we have lived through um, a historical movement. According to research done by Gallup, prior to the year 2000, the turn of the millennia, almost half of all Americans claimed to belong to a specific Protestant denomination. Half of Americans were denominational. And yet today, 19 years later, that number has dropped to just 30%. From half to 30% claiming some type of denominational affiliation. The Southern Baptist Convention, one of the largest denominations in America, in 15 years, has lost a million of its members. Again, let that sink in. The Southern Baptist Convention has lost, in 15 years, a million of its members. In 2010, the Hartford Institute for Religion, they tallied more than 35,000 non-denominational churches in the United States, comprising of almost 12 million attendees. Today, in 2019, one in six Americans claim to now be non-denominational Christians. My point is that the shift from denominations to a non-denominational church structure has been drastic and for the most part, quite dramatic. This has happened over the last 20 years. Roger Olson, who's the professor, who was a professor at Baylor University, George W. Truett Theological Seminary, he's one of the few that have have written about this seismic shift. And he he remarked, writing, quote, this shift towards non-denominational identity is so strong that even denominational churches downplay their affiliations to avoid the negative connotations now associated with religious hierarchy and structure. His point is that, yes, there has been a move culturally from denominations to non-denominations, but even those churches that remain denominational remove that identity from their branding while they stay within the denomination. They just don't let anyone know it. I have a friend who pastors a big church in our community. I won't name the church for those that might be listening locally. But his paycheck is still First Baptist. You would never know it. In fact, the church website of the the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer, their church website, Summit Church, doesn't have one mention of Baptist 
on their main page. He's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and there's not one mention of Baptist on the main page of their church website. The other, and I use the word loosely, rock star of the Southern Baptist Convention is Matt Chandler. Village Church also doesn't have a mention on their main page that they're also members of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, while I believe with all of my heart that this particular shift, this move away from the divisive nature at the very root of the denominational concept is a very healthy development for the church. And don't miss me on that. I think it's a healthy development for the church, this shift. The fact still remains, though, that the unintended consequences of the explosion of the non-denominational church movement and then the subsequent departure from a formal denominational structure has yielded two very negative phenomenons that are specific really to our day and age. Two things that have happened, I think, as a result of this shift that aren't good for the church at large. The two things, the emergence of consumer Christianity and church hopping something we did not see predominantly before 2000. You know, today, when deciding where to attend church, it really is a shame that many Christians, they make their decision solely based upon what they hope or intend to get out of the Sunday morning experience. And that's just the truth. Which is why it's then logical that when a person eventually tires of their current church experience, they see no harm at all. No even even negative connotations in leaving one local church to then attend another local church across town that just so happens to be promising a better product. To this point, Barna, Barna Research Group, one of the few organizations that really dives into these particular topics, topics of church culture, they report that every year, this blew my mind, every single year, one out of every seven Christian adults changes churches. Again, one out of seven. With one of six attending two or more churches on a rotating basis. Again, no one wants to talk about this, but the fact is that most of the, the fastest growing churches in America aren't reaching the loss like they claim. Instead, they're actually reshuffling the deck. The data shows that. We're passing sheep back and forth between folds. You know, the fundamental problem with this growing trend is that in no way did Jesus institute the local church to be a place that you simply attend or, for that matter, come to be served. Like instead, Jesus designed the church, and we've lost this, but Jesus designed the church to be a community of fellow Christians that you belong to. And when you examine the first church, as it's presented in the book of Acts, there's an interesting word that consistently emerges, a descriptive term, and it's the word fellowship. For example, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 
you'll read that the church, quote, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, so they studied God's word, and fellowship, and the breaking of bread and in prayers. This is what they occupied their time doing. Now, in the Greek, this word for fellowship, it's an interesting word. The word is koinonia. You know, fellowship is not something that you that you often use. You don't use that word uh, outside of church circles. It's 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 part of what we would call kind of Christianese. It's something you do with Christians. You fellowship. You you, you never say, yeah, I'm going to the bar to watch the game with my brothers and fellowship. Like it's it's just not part of normal uh, American lingo slang. It's reserved mainly to to church life. But this word fellowship, koinonia, it describes communion between individuals, literally a joint participation. And in fact, the word koinonia is so intimate in nature that, that it can even be used in Greek language to describe marital intercourse. It's a very strong term. Now, in this context, the local church, as it's presented in the book of Acts, was not a place to go to or a service that you attended. Rather, the church, as Jesus instituted it, was to be a collection of Christians that were committed to living life together. You know, we talk about that often. Your, your church probably does as well, your pastor, saying that the building is not the church. The people are, and what, what that means is that the church is not a building, it's not a physical structure, it's a collection of individuals, of Christians, that want to live life together, that are on the same journey, going the same direction. The church is to be a community that naturally yields accountability and discipleship, not things that have to get conjured up or enforced arbitrarily, but it's a natural manifestation. You know, when you look at the, the, the first church, instead of leaving one church for another, the moment things became difficult or, or your feelings were hurt or an interpersonal conflict arose, relationships were forced to grow deeper because you had to tough it out. You had to work through differences. You had to remain committed to one another because you existed in Koinonia. It's true that no genuine friendship has ever existed without a healthy measure of endurance. Hi, my name is David Guzik, and I'm a friend of Zach and the entire team at Outlaw Radio. One of the things I like most about Outlaw Radio is Zach's desire to challenge Christians to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then pursue answers on their own. The sad reality is too many Christians don't know what they believe, yet alone why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to Outlaw Radio tackling the tough topics you might not hear at church on Sundays, their desire is to equip, inspire, and challenge you to dig into God's Word and wrestle with these complex topics on your own. To help you in this process, Zach wanted me to let you all know of two free resources essential for any serious Bible student. Aside from my full Bible commentary available at EnduringWord.com, the resources you can access at blueletterbible.org will truly transform the way you study the Bible. Aside from their treasure trove of free commentaries, blueletterbible.org also has an incredible word search function, making it easy to dive into the original languages behind a biblical text. So if you want to dig deeper into your study of scripture, check out EnduringWord.com as well as blueletterbible.org. 
Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I'm talking about a trend that is fairly new within Christianity, but it doesn't get a lot of press. And that is the fact that we we see this shift from denominations to non-denominations. And while I think that shift has been very healthy, there have been two unintended consequences. One, cultural Christianity, and two, church hopping. We have lost sight as to what the church was instituted by Jesus to be. It's not a place you attend. It's not a place you go. It's a collection of Christians, of of brothers and sisters that you commit yourself to, that you live life together with. It's a community. Again, I close the last block by saying that no genuine friendship has ever existed without a healthy measure of endurance. Real friendship exists when we push through conflict. It deepens our love. You know, what is tragic about all of this is that much of what Jesus desired the church community to be, I think has been lost. And I think has been lost specifically by these unintended consequences of this new non-denominational structure. Now, I say that as a Calvary Chapel pastor, someone that is very much right in the middle of non-denominationalism. As a matter of fact, I probably hold such an extreme view that I don't even call myself non-denominational. Calvary 316, when you walk up to the front door, we have kind of on the left side a list of things, just kind of some bullet points. And it doesn't say non-denominational. It says says anti-denominational. Like within every fiber of my being, I, I, I reject the idea of denominations. I think it's, it's divisive. I think it misrepresents what the church is supposed to be. The truth is that consumer Christianity and this church-hopping culture that it has created has warped our understanding of what the church was designed to be, what Jesus intended the church to be. The truth is that people go to church when they're supposed to be a part of the church. Again, people people go to be served at church instead of looking for a practical avenue to serve others. It's me-centric, not (laughs) others-focused. People attend on Sunday When the truth is, is that we should be connected all week. Now, here's my theory as to why non-denominations have fostered consumer Christianity and church hopping. I have a theory. I'm going to share this with you. I believe that one of the main reasons this particular perspective of the church has developed in this growing non-denominational environment has been the abandonment of non-denominational churches, of membership, of formal membership. To be fair, in order to, to combat the divisive nature, the divisions that were caused by traditional denominational structures, where you had Baptists, like on one street, in my hometown, you, you have the Methodist church, the Baptist church, and then you have um, a Presbyterian church. And then across the street, you had an African-American church, a Pentecostal church. All, all literally, you can walk from one to the next to the other. And, and you look at that, and it's just like, man, <laughs> 
the divisions. If only there was there, there was unity to combat that. The early pioneers of the non-denominational model, Calvary Chapel, whatnot, they emphasized one's universal membership of the larger church, the global church. We call it the Big C Church. And the goal of emphasizing one's universal member of the church was to try to bridge these divides that denominational structures had yielded and to some degree restore a measure of Christian unity. And yet, while that aim was noble, because the abuses of a formal membership were, ob- were obvious, sadly though, something else manifested. You see, what resulted from this countercultural approach of emphasizing your membership of the, the, the big C universal church was that in turn, it de-emphasized the importance of being a member of a local church, the little C church. Again, this was, I don't think, intentional, but this is what happened. Like What resulted from this shift in approach, sadly, and I've seen it, I grew up in it, is that most pew sitters in such a structure where there is no membership no appeal to join, no mechanism to join, is that pew sitters are free to be nothing more than observers who end up having little to no sense of personal responsibility for the local church they're attending. Church becomes about me, about attending and not participating. And then when I feel like I'm not being served, I just can go to another church. Like, it's no big deal. I'm part of the big C church. I can worship anywhere I want to. It doesn't matter. But so many Christians don't have a responsibility, don't even sense a responsibility for a local church. Like, to this point, like, it shouldn't be a surprise that roughly 10% of those who attend church on a Sunday morning actually tithe to that church and even fewer of those tithers actually tithe 10% of their income. Do you realize Christians give less money today than they did during the great depression when you adjust for inflation? Like we've lost something. And I think you can point it back to the de-emphasizing of being a member of a local church. Like, like personally, I am becoming more and more and more convinced as a non-denominational guy that a simplified church membership, a mechanism to join, something based on just basic biblical ideas is vitally important for non-denominational churches to combat these growing trends of consumer Christianity and church hopping. Not only does the very concept of church membership fundamentally oppose a a rampant consumer mentality, the, the one we see around us. And I'll unpack that later in the episode. But I also believe that membership, it challenges a Christian. It challenges a Christian to see that local church as being so much more than a place they attend on Sunday. 
because it creates a practical mechanism whereby that person can choose to belong, not attend, but belong to the local church. You know, and considering the concept of church membership from a, from a biblical perspective and why non-denominations just kick so hard against it, is that really there were two areas that denominational churches in the topic of, of membership went, went awry. First, the Bible is clear that if you hold to enough essential beliefs to be considered a Christian, you should be able to join a local church. Again, it's, it's a travesty that when someone can be a follower of Jesus but be excluded from joining a local church because of minor theological disagreements with the leaders. My brother-in-law attended a church for for years, and one of the main reasons that, that he decided he had to leave was that while he attended, he knew there was a limitation to his involvement because he wasn't fully embracing of Reformed theology. Again, I've never met a Calvinist that that said an Arminius was going to hell. We disagree, but I would never see one, nor an Arminius saying a Calvinist is going to hell. We can disagree, but at the same time, we're followers of Jesus. Like, we would never question uh, the fact that you love Christ. Uh, Recently, I went to Cuba. Uh, Me and a buddy from church who are non-denominational, so two non-denominational guys went with five Presbyterians, (laughs) To, pastor, to a pastor's conference of the Methodist church in Cuba that happens to be very Pentecostal. It was this bizarre collection of individuals, and yet, while we have serious theological disagreements about infant baptism, and about once saved, always saved, and about uh, eschatology, the end times, man, we were able to just go together and, and, and declare the gospel, keep keeping the main thing the main thing, and, and it's a shame Again, why do we have all these denominations? Ultimately, we have all these denominations because someone wasn't welcomed in a church because of a theological position that was non-essential. You know, I believe that a statement of beliefs crafted for church membership should simply ensure that person is a born-again believer. Like the statement of beliefs should be essential beliefs required of a Christian. Like from my perspective, if you're a genuine follower of Jesus, regardless of theological differences, we should fellowship together. You should be welcomed as a member of Calvary 316. I mean, we'll spend eternity together. Why not get used to each other? It's a shame, but the local church, there really should be more room, right? For a diversity of thought and perspective. We are running against a hard break. Uh, Don't go anywhere. Uh, We'll pick up this topic, continuing a conversation of these trends within church culture, membership, denominationals. Uh, Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here with the Outlaw Radio Show. Hey, this is Josh. You're listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Today, Zach is sharing a fascinating perspective about the need for a simple church membership in this age of non-denominational churches. Well, this is only the first half of the show. Please stay with us for part two of the Outlaw Radio Show.
Today, Pastor Zach is talking about joining the local church. Here he is with part two of the Outlaw Radio Show. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I'm talking about the shift that's happened within Christianity, specifically specifically a shift from denominations to non-denominations. The data shows that, that this shift has been seismic, very noticeable, to the point that even those churches that remain in denominations kind of do everything they can to bury that reality. Most Baptist churches don't use Baptist in their name. We're in a post-denominational church culture. And while I think that there's a lot of aspects to that that are fantastic as a non-denominational guy myself, one of the unintended consequences of the rise of non-denominations is two negative phenomenons. Cultural Christianity, this me-centric concept, And two, church hopping. Like we've lost an understanding of what the church is really about. That it's not just a place I go to attend. It's a community of believers I live life with. One of the reasons for this is that non-denominational churches and kicking against denominational structure emphasized the universal membership of Christians to the big C. The universal church. And I think that's a great thing. But in emphasizing that component to try to bridge divides and foster unity, most non-denominational churches have downplayed or de-emphasized joining or membership. Most non-denominational churches don't have a structure, a formal structure for membership. And the reason for that is that it's it's been a rejection of two components of membership that the denominational structure went awry with. One, and we addressed this in the last block, is is the fact that if you hold to enough essential beliefs to be considered a Christian, you should be able to join a local church, but not so within denominations. Denominations, not just in their statement of beliefs required for membership, listed essential beliefs, verifying you're a Christian, but then went much further than that to theological disagreements on minor issues. That's why we have the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterians, Pentecostals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Divisions on minor theology. And I think that's a shame. I think a statement of beliefs required for membership should just confirm you're a Christian because guess what? We should get along in the local church because we will be part of the heavenly church. Within the local church, there should be room for a diversity of thought and perspective. I am, I am very pre-tribulational. That being said, if you don't hold to that position, why would I break fellowship with you? I mean, I, I disagree with your eschatology, but at the same time, um, I do trust that there'll be a day that you'll know you're wrong, <laughs> that I was right, and we'll be good. But in the moment, like, why should I break fellowship with you? Why shouldn't we worship together and take communion together and live life together, be in community together? I think it's a shame. But there is a second area that I think denominational churches miss the mark. And it was in their overemphasis on financial giving as being a requirement for membership. Again, This is one of the reasons that non-denominational movements have rejected denominations and the the denominational 
hallmark of church membership. It's all about money. And there's a truth to that. Like, again, it's a fact. A fact that you can't, you can't argue against. That over the years, within the denominational structure, membership, when you really relegated it or brought it down to its core, it was nothing more than just a mechanism to coax more consistent giving out of the people who were attending. I'll give you a few examples of this. Even today, there are memberships that require you pledge a yearly amount to the church as part of that structure. We want you to join the church, but we want, you know, for budgetary reasons, for you to pledge what you plan to give this year. Like in even more extreme cases, there are churches who, in addition to requiring you pledge a certain amount, they ask that you submit a W-2 to prove that you're actually tithing 10% of your income. Beyond this, almost every person I've talked to who's ever been a member of a denominational church can recall how they, re- how they received mailer after mailer after mailer wanting money. N- not just when they were a member, but years after leaving the church. And this is terrible, isn't it? This is one of the reasons that, that membership just leaves a sour taste in your mouth. There's something off about that. Articulating that God is broke. He's not. Well, I think a statement of beliefs that, that it would be completely appropriate to ask a member to affirm the importance of generosity. There is no question, biblically, generosity is a response to God's grace. It's the acknowledgement that, that, that everything I have is a, is a blessing. It's a gift from God. That, that my job is just to steward what, what is his, not mine. Like, I think you can, you can ask a, a prospective member to affirm certain ideas about generosity, but tithing should never be a prerequisite for membership. And here's why. While the Bible has a lot to say on the topic, and Jesus specifically spoke more about money than, than anyone else, saying most famously that, that where your treasure is, there your heart is, it would, though, be inappropriate, right, to demand something for church membership that isn't a requirement for salvation. Like, with all this in mind, like, I believe membership really should boil down to just two basic conditions. First, are you a Christian? So are you a member of the universal church? And then secondly, the church you're attending, do you want that church to be your home? And if you answer yes to both of those questions, you should join. Now, your church might not have a mechanism. But in your mind, you need to make a commitment. Not just to be a a taker, but a contributor. Not just to be an attender, but a participant. To join. And if there's not a formal way that you can do that, to combat cultural Christianity in your own heart. That me-centric tendency to eliminate that church hopping. Go to a pastor and say, hey, I want to plug in. How do I do that? How do I join? Now, let me explain why joining a church is so important. 
and, and again, what I'm going to discuss here, there's two angles to it. First, uh, I want to articulate why you being the laity or just the attender, you're just being the, the Christian, part of the church, why you should join, and, and also why it's important for a church to have some type of formal uh, presentation of this, a mechanism for it. Like, as you examine the fundamentals of the early church, like as you study this topic, and this is something that I've been doing recently, I've been very interested on it. There are two realities that become unavoidable. Two fundamentals of the early church that are unavoidable. One, on one end of the equation, the people who were a part of the church no doubt recognized biblically who their leaders were. Like within the early church, scripturally speaking, the governmental structure of the church was defined. It was clear. There were roles, elders and deacons, as well as a list of qualification for the men that filled those positions. And since the people knew who their teachers and leaders were and to whom they were accountable, the people knew who the apostles were in the first church there in Jerusalem. And then when the needs were growing, what, what took place? The apostles went to the church and they say, choose from among yourselves deacons that can take care of of the practical needs. Again, the people knew who the leaders were. Now, on the flip side to this, it's also true, and there's ample evidence, that the church leaders also were aware who they were responsible to care for, as well as who they were accountable to. I'm running against a break. I'll provide you some scriptural evidence for that when we get back, but let me just take a quick second and again if you're not able to listen to the episode in its entirety, go to outlawradio.org and we have quick links, iTunes, Google Play. Subscribe to the podcast. You can listen again to this episode in its entirety as well as everything we've ever done here with the Outlaw Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back conclude our thoughts on this topic. One of the missions of Outlaw Radio is to bring your attention to ministry resources that will benefit your personal study of the Bible and spiritual growth. With this in mind, we want you to check out Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Not only is their vision to help the thinker believe, but they exist to help the believer think. To accomplish both of these aims, their website, rzim.org, is filled with tons of free resources aimed at not only answering your own difficult questions, but with the intention of providing the necessary tools to defend your faith in an ever-growing hostile world. Once again, you can learn more about Ravi Zacharias International Ministries by visiting rzim.org. That's rzim.org. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. As you're delving in to this topic of membership, a local church, the fundamentals of this, there are two things biblically that, that are kind of unavoidable. One, uh, people knew who their leaders were in the local church, elders and deacons. But on the flip side to this, there's also ample evidence that church leaders knew who they were responsible for, who they were accountable to. Let me give you two examples of this. And some parting words to the elders of the Ephesian church, words recorded in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, the apostle Paul, he admonishes them to, quote, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, note, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Writing in the same vein, the apostle Peter 
writing in 1 Peter 5, verses 2 through 4. He encouraged pastors to shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the good shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Clearly, not only did the people know who their leaders were, but these leaders knew who the flock was. In a Christian culture where people are prone to come and go on a whim, again, the unintended consequence of a lack of membership. It is the very point of church membership that it not only enables a person the ability to choose their leaders, but membership helps those leaders know who's actually under their authority and care and who they're accountable to. You know, the easiest place that, that this becomes apparent is in matters of church discipline. Because the ideas of biblical authority, submission, discipleship, accountability within the church, because of these ideas, the expectations that church leaders should have for members should be radically different than the expectations they have for attenders. That's just the truth. Well, while the church should welcome anyone to come on Sunday morning and attend free of judgment, that we should welcome the lost and the hurting, the down and outer and outcast. A member has a much different context than a visitor. You see, by joining a church, something happens. When you join a church, you're giving the church leaders not only the platform to teach you the scriptures, not only the platform to encourage your walk with the Lord, but by joining a local church, you're giving those leaders the important task of holding you accountable to live worthy of that calling. Let me give you an illustration to kind of explain my point here. Because I think membership makes things so much easier. At Calvary 316, if a gay couple were to walk through the doors of our church, they would be welcomed with open arms and loved. As a matter of fact, we wouldn't ask them to leave. Nor would we ask them to immediately change. And here's why. Because we faithfully teach the Bible week in and week out. We believe in the end, God's word will do its thing. And we've, we've actually seen this over and over and over again. When God's word is being taught and someone is living in open sin, they will either repent on their own because that's what the Holy Spirit does or they'll leave on their own because they feel terribly uncomfortable. I don't have to say anything specific. We don't have to bring it up specifically. God's word will just do its thing. The Holy Spirit will do his thing. That being said, the same gay couple, let's say they were coming to Calvary 316 for a period of time, and they approached me wanting to teach a Sunday school class, or for that matter, become a member of the church. Now, it's in that moment something changes willingly they're seeking a change no longer are they saying that we want to just attend no longer are they saying we just want uh to be present they're saying we want to plug in 
in a sense, we're saying we want um, to become a member in the context of all the Bible means concerning membership. And it's then that a natural opportunity becomes presented for the church leaders to address the obvious issues. And again, without judgment. In that dynamic, I'd say, listen, guys, we love you. We've never judged you. You've always been welcome to come. But that being said, there is an element of your life that you need to submit to Jesus before you can take that step. And we'd love to help you in that process and walk alongside of you, but but under our biblical responsibility, we can't just sit idly by and allow this to not be spoken about. You see what I'm saying? Again, membership in the local church, biblically, the people knew who their leaders were. They chose their leaders, which is why you should be very careful about what churches you choose to become a member to, what church you choose to join. But on the flip side, when you do join, you're articulating to the leader, you're responsible for me. I'm accountable to you. I'm choosing to be part of this church, recognizing your position in my life as ordained by God. And I'm doing this willingly. It's important. And, and, and people don't like to do that, which is why non-denominational churches don't have memberships. And yet the church never can be what it's supposed to be. You know, aside from just these practical benefits of, of, of membership I've already articulated, just with the few minutes we have left, let me just give you a few practical advantages. First, by providing an easy mechanism to collect contact information, membership affords a church to be organized. And then that yields greater ministry effectiveness. Like at Calvary 316, because we haven't had a membership, I don't know who I'm responsible for, and I don't know how to contact people. You know, a... a Life demands organization, an organism. Membership helps do that organically. Secondly, in a very practical way, a formal membership process allows someone who's been attending to take a formal official step by plugging into the larger church family. Like membership, and this is why it's important for you. It gives the attender an easy way to articulate, not just to others, but to themselves, a commitment. It affords a way to, to feel more a part of the work God is doing. Like membership always fosters a greater sense of ownership. Like the act of joining helps morph one's perspective from a them mentality to a we psychology. No longer is a person with membership allowed to just be a beneficiary of the work or an observer, a member and that moment they join becomes a contributor, a participant. I have ownership now. In a sense, when a person decides to formally join, hopefully they become practically vested. You know, third, I think church membership is great because it establishes a way that church leaders can vet those who plug into ministry. Like it just makes sense that a teaching capacity, whether it be Sunday school, children's ministry, youth ministry, would be restricted to members, membership and how it's revoked. Obviously, if you leave a church, you're removed from the membership roles. But if a church has to administer discipline in accordance with scripture over blatant, unrepentant sin, 
Well, that's grounds to be removed by the church leaders. Ask not to attend. Why? Well, you're different than a visitor because you've you've granted the leaders authority because you became a member. You know, membership. The reason I wanted to take time to discuss this is, is we do have an epidemic in our culture. Cultural Christianity has fostered this mentality where I go to church to get, to be served. I attend. When it's so much more than that, it's a community you plug into. And when you plug into a community, it's very hard to just jump from church to church to church. Membership helps change your perspective on what church is. It's about koinonia, living life together. Well, again, I'm running out of time. You've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. If you like what you heard, I just want to encourage you with the minute I have left to contact your local Christian radio station and just tell them you're thankful that they're carrying Outlaw Radio in your community. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to visit our website, outlawradio.org. From the site, you can easily access our podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play. You can listen again to this episode in its entirety or all previous episodes. From the website, outlawradio.org, you can connect. Twitter, at radio underscore outlaw. You can send me an, in, an email, info at outlawradio.org, or you can always follow us via facebook.com slash outlaw. Again, my name is Zach Adams, and I hope you join me this time next week for the Outlaw Radio Show. You've been listening to the one and only Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.